This is The Guardian. Today, what will Liz Truss's energy plan mean for our bills this winter? Mr Speaker, I beg to move the motion. Earlier this week, I promised I would deal with the soaring energy prices faced by families and businesses across the UK. And today I am delivering on that promise. Liz Truss was only two days into her new job when she'd make a decision that would cost the country a fortune. She was looking ahead to a winter where people across the country would be freezing or pushed into poverty because their energy bills were due to rise suddenly by thousands of pounds. And so she stood up in the Commons and announced that the government would be borrowing billions in order to cap people's energy bills. From the 1st of October, a typical household will pay no more than £2,500 per year for each of the next two years while we get the energy market back on track. If you rewind back to the financial crisis when there were real deep concerns about how the banking sector was going to survive. Barclays began the steep decline and in the following 40 minutes of trading, shares in the country's biggest banks were sold down and down again. What happened then was the government stepped in to prop up the finances of the UK's big banks. In extraordinary times, with financial markets ceasing to work, the government cannot just leave people on their own to be buffeted about. And it did that in tranches, but the first tranche, I think, was around about 50 billion. It ended up ballooning. There was a number which was put on it, 137 billion pounds in loans and guarantees. Then fast forward to the COVID pandemic. That's the next really big, significant intervention by a government. And we all remember Rishi Sunak standing up and saying... Today, I can announce that for the first time in our history, the government is going to step in and help to pay people's wages. The furlough scheme ultimately ended up at about a cost of £70 billion, supporting the wages of almost 12 million people. The policy trust announced on Thursday would cost more than either of those measures. We don't know exactly how much yet, but experts say it could be up to £150 billion. Mr Speaker, this is the moment to be bold. We are facing a global energy crisis. Just after Trust sat down, a quiet commotion ran through the House. MPs on the front benches were passing a note between themselves, which it turned out was a warning that the Queen was gravely ill. I know I speak on behalf of the entire House when I say that we send our best wishes to Her Majesty the Queen and that she and the Royal Family are in our thoughts and prayers at this moment. I'm going to take no more... In the days since then... Parliament and people across the country have been in mourning. But the energy crisis hasn't gone away. And as The Guardian's business editor, John Collingridge, explains, there's a lot we need to understand about Liz Truss's energy plan and who it will benefit most. She she has signed the country up to an unfunded or certainly open-ended support package for people's energy bills. The real question the government faces is who is going to pay? From The Guardian, I'm Hannah Moore. Today in Focus. 
Will the energy price freeze be enough to keep people warm? John Collingridge. Liz Truss has announced this new policy on energy. It's so momentous. Can you break it down for us? I mean, what is this going to mean for people? The first element is to cap the average household bill at £2,500. And that is going to last, according to Liz Truss, for two years. A typical household will pay no more than £2,500 per year for each of the next two years while we get the energy market back on track. And then the other element is a similar support package for businesses. That means that businesses, be it your local pub, be it the supermarket, or be it public services like schools and libraries, they know what they are going to pay for their gas and electricity through the winter. So that's a really crucial thing that she's done. She's she said, we're going to see you through the winter businesses. And if you're a household, we're going to see you through the next two years so that you know that you're going to pay a maximum amount on your bill. How much is this change then in the cap going to cost the country? Who's going to be paying for it? Well, that was the really big thing that was absent. There wasn't a pounds and pence price on it. But we're going to go off calculations from economists and from experts. Some of them reckon this goes up to about 200 billion there were various ideas about how you'd pay for this, which have been floated in the, in, in the weeks and months leading up to this big announcement. And ultimately, you could boil it down to, does Liz Truss stick the cost of this onto the government debt, or does she try and claw it back from households, ultimately? I mean, actually, I'd, I'd probably oversimplify there, because there's a third suggestion, which is windfall taxes. Labour is really keen on windfall taxes, and so she decided that the simplest thing would be to put it onto government debt borrow from the wholesale money markets over the coming years and hope that growing GDP will allow you to pay it off quickly. Well, you mentioned windfall taxes. The Labour Party announced weeks ago a plan to freeze energy prices. They said they could raise tens of billions of pounds by making energy firms pay out from their profits. Keir Starmer laid out that argument again in the Commons. The Treasury estimates that energy producers could make £170 billion in unexpected windfall profits over the next two years. Can you talk us through what he was saying? How did he pick apart this new plan that the government's come up with? Keir Starmer throughout has been a big advocate of windfall taxes. Sunak, Rishi Sunak, had initiated a windfall tax on oil and gas profits. And that's not going to be unwound from what we understand. Um, Liz Truss is not going to unwind that bit, but she's not going to extend it. That would undermine the national interest by discouraging the very investment we need to secure homegrown energy supplies. And that is really controversial. And that is the, the, the argument that Keir Starmer keeps making and, and really hopes will eventually sink through to people that you have corporations, you have businesses who are making exceptional gains and they don't deserve those gains and they should be passed on to you. But the Prime Minister is opposed to windfall taxes. She wants to leave these vast profits on the table with one clear and obvious consequence. The bill will be picked up by working people. How's this announcement then actually going to affect what we're paying for our energy bills? Your average householder 
on their energy bill is not going to pay more than £2,500 for their gas and electricity. It means that the unit price of your gas and electric will be capped. This is all based on your average household. If, as a householder, you keep the lights burning, you crank up the thermostat, you have a lot of bedrooms, you could pay well above the £2,500. It's got to be clear that this is the capped price per unit. So is there a danger that some people might hear this announcement and think, oh, OK, then then maybe I could afford to actually turn my thermostat up or, or use a bit more electricity. This has made it much more affordable for me. Yeah, definitely. That's, that's, that is one of the big concerns. In what we didn't hear in her speech was anything around energy rationing or encouraging households to say, you know, put an extra jumper, turn the thermostat down. It is really important to, to see this in the context of a sort of interconnected European energy system. Europe is doing energy efficiency programmes. It is telling households and businesses that we're in for a tough winter and you're going to have to use less energy. So if you have a scenario whereby you've got bill freezes across the continent and people were to en masse say, oh, OK, I can afford to spend a little bit more, or certainly in the UK, I can afford to spend a bit more on, on my energy bills because the government's taking the strain here. You could, if we had a scenario where the wind didn't blow and it was really cold, you could get to a situation where we do not have enough gas. We do not have enough electricity. And then you get to things like brownouts and blackouts. So what was really absent, and I'm hopeful that it was going to start to come out through the detail, but what was absent from her speech was anything to say, look... We're on a war footing. Putin's invaded Ukraine. We are in this together. We need to act responsibly and and turn down our thermostats. Is everyone going to feel the benefits of this policy? Is it for every single household across the UK? Yes, and that is the big criticism of this massive giveaway, is that it's indiscriminate. Your Georgian townhouse in Bath or your N Terrace house in Hull, do those households need the same level of support? There'll be a lot of people who are listening to this today and will say, I don't really need that support. I could, I could afford these bills. I could, it's going to be painful, but I could do without it. And I would probably much rather given that ultimately we're all going to be paying for this via greater government borrowing, I would much rather that money were targeted, more efficiently spent to help the poorest in society who really were going to struggle to make it through the winter. There were two big uncertainties before this announcement. One was how it will affect people in Northern Ireland and two, people who are using heating oil in their homes and you know two-thirds of people in in northern ireland are doing that and liz trust confirmed that this will apply for those using heating oil living in park homes or those on heat networks we will set up a fund so that all uk consumers can benefit from equivalent support there's going to be a fund so that people who don't pay direct for mains gas and electricity like those who are living in park homes or rely on heating oil, they won't be worse off and they'll receive support through a fund. Last month, we spoke to Morgan Wilde, who's the head of policy for Citizens Advice. He described the kind of calls that they've been getting from people who are in such desperate situations at the moment. From our data, people who we help for debt advice at the moment 
are already on average 650 pounds in debt to their energy company. So we're already in an incredibly challenging situation where people's budgets are at the absolute brink or they're already falling badly behind. This price freeze will stop prices from rising further, but did Liz Trust say anything that would help those who were already struggling so much under current prices? If she did, I missed it. This is a blanket, untargeted support scheme. It doesn't, as it should do, target the very poorest in society, the people who really need the help, the people who are struggling, who have cancelled their direct debits or who are on prepayment meters. No, it gives everybody the same support and her hope is that that is enough to help them through. A lot of small business owners have been talking in the media about how much strain the increase in energy prices is likely to put them under. You know, pubs, hotels, schools even, seeing their bills rise by four or five times. So how much of a help is the price freeze going to be to them? It's going to be a really big help. We're waiting to see the detail and exactly how this works, but they say the support package for businesses will be comparable to the support package for households. So many businesses, and bearing in mind we are a nation of small businesses with with almost 6 million small and medium businesses in the country, so many businesses were looking at the winter months and starting to think, can I afford to get through those months or do I shut up shop? Do I close my hotel for a year? Do I reduce the number of days I open my restaurant? This will give people hope. And the energy price freeze is fixed for households for two years, but for businesses, it's only going to be for six months. Liz Truss also had this line where she was kind of saying to businesses, right, you need to pull yourself up by the shoestrings a little bit. In the meantime, companies with the wherewithal need to be looking for ways they can improve energy efficiency and increase direct energy generation. Yeah, it's all a bit rich, isn't it? I mean, the fact this is a six-month scheme shows that how expensive this is all going to be. I'm sure she would have loved to do make a two-year scheme for, for businesses as well. But it is phenomenally expensive to prop up, to underpin the cost of gas and electricity for businesses and public services for the next six months. And so she had to put a time limit on it. Her hope is that businesses start to invest in inefficiency and more productive machinery. But let's set this against the fact that We are going into a recession and businesses and consumers will have less money to spend. So how do they invest in that future? How do they invest in efficient equipment when they're wondering, where's my business going to come from? Where's my money going to come from? What are the repercussions likely to be from setting out a policy that costs this much? What are going to be the big economic repercussions of this? Truth is, we don't really know. We don't know how big the bill is going to be. What, what happens if Russia turns off all gas supply to Europe over the winter? The cost of, of gas will go through the roof and the government will bear the cost of meeting that ballooning price. The pound in recent weeks and months has been falling. It hit a low last seen in 1985 under Thatcher. That is the international community, the money markets, telling the government, they're not that confident in the UK's ability to grow its way out of this crisis. What are the things that we still don't know about this policy and how it's going to work for different people? So we don't know how they're going to wean the, co- the country off this. 
giveaways are always really popular. Everybody likes the fact that somebody else is going to pay their, their energy bill or certainly a good chunk of their, their energy bill. Um, so what happens at the end of two years, which is coincidentally roughly when um, the next general election will be, how does the government say to people, right, you're on your own now, you should pay the market price for, for electricity and for gas? Coming up, how does Liz Truss plan to make us less reliant on Russian gas? It starts the same way. Can I tell you a secret? It would start off with a random girl and just say, hey, hun, I'm going to tell you some secret now. Please don't mention it to anybody. But it quickly escalates. It just spread like a wildfire. I still sleep with clubs next to my bed. I didn't know how far this was going to go. People seldom show their true selves online. But one man, he's taken it much further. I was terrified. Who is the cyberstalker behind these messages? He actually said to me, good luck proving it's me. And why is he sending them? Because he became more and more isolated, he just went within himself even further. Do you punish someone for acting out whatever is going on in their mind that we don't understand? And if I could just turn back the clock? From The Guardian, I'm Shirin Tyler, and this is Can I Tell You a Secret? A story about obsession, fear, and the lives we lead online. Listen to all episodes from Friday 23rd of September. John, the government has consistently sought to blame Russia for the energy crisis because of the war on Ukraine and because they supply us and much of Europe with such a high proportion of our gas. How accurate is that really? It's pretty fair to say that the vast spike in energy costs in the short term has been driven by Russia's invasion of Ukraine. They're a big supplier to the continent. They've been turning off gas pipes into Europe willy-nilly. It is accurate to say that the responsibility for the short-term impact lies with Russia. But longer term, the fact that we are still so dependent on hydrocarbons and we still rely on gas to to heat our homes, to cook our food. That is a long-term policy decision which no one has fully grabbed and addressed and is what is coming home to roost now. If we had um, an energy system which was less dependent on that, which relied even more on renewables, we wouldn't be as vulnerable to the vagaries of of Russian interference and and, and Russia's weaponising of gas. And that was a point that Liz Truss sought to make again and again during this speech. Her announcement also included information about how the government's going to secure our energy supplies for the future. What were the details? What did she say about that? So she talked about fracking. We will end the moratorium on extracting our huge reserves of shale, which could get glass flowing as soon as six months, where there is local support for it. Effectively, fracking is um, extracting hard-to-reach reserves of hydrocarbons which are trapped in rocks. 
and you pump liquids and gases into that, you split the rock and it comes gushing to the surface. Fracking, as we all know, has helped America become pretty energy self-sufficient. And this is a big appeal to, particularly to the, to the right of the Tory party, that, oh, we could do the same and we could, we could become energy independent by, by fracking. The real big problem with fracking is that it releases hydrocarbons which were trapped in the ground and we hoped would stay trapped in the ground. Ultimately, they're going to feed through to more climate change, more global warming. And we are a small island extracting this stuff from, from, from beneath the ground. It causes tremors. We don't fully know what the impact of, it, of, of fracking would be. Um, and is also in really beautiful parts of the country like North Yorkshire and, and the South Downs. Some of those areas happen to be Tory shires where, where, where fracking will prove pretty unpopular. So you've got that. Liz Truss also announced a, a, a big extraction spree from the North Sea. We are also accelerating all sources of domestic energy, including North Sea oil and gas production. We will be launching a new licensing round, which we expect to lead to over 100 new licenses being awarded. Two big elements there, which are pretty hydrocarbon heavy. She also said, though, and, and we should be fair, she talked a lot about expansion of green technologies. And we, will speed up, we will speed up our deployment of all clean and renewable technologies, including hydrogen, solar, carbon capture and storage, and wind. Talked about hydrogen, which is a bit of a, an untested technology. We don't fully know how a hydrogen economy would work, but there'll be more offshore wind. There'll be a faster, she says, faster rollout of nuclear power, everything from the whopping great big Hinkley Point nuclear power stations to small modular reactors. Small modular reactors are a very important part of our energy mix. They, they're produced here in the United Kingdom. They will help boost growth as well as boost our energy security. So there was both hydrocarbons and there was renewable power. The problem with a lot of these things is a unifying theme that goes through boosting energy supplies. It takes a very long time. You know, it could be a decade or more before those wells that she wants to open in the North Sea are actually producing oil and gas. And the problem we've got on our doorstep is a problem for the weeks and months ahead. I was quite um, surprised to hear her say that she's still committed to net zero by 2050. I thought she was going to drop that line. Net zero does divide the Tory party. It's a real fault line. Um, her, her chancellor seems to support net zero, so it would have been a quite a difficult policy to drop. She has announced a review of net zero, of how they get to net zero by 2050. Um, particularly talked about growth, growth policies. It will be interesting to see what, what that comes out with. But you do get the sense that there's some scepticism around net zero. And she has by making the fracking announcement, by announcing more drilling in, in the North Sea. Enthusiasm for net zero is tempered and how we get there is going to be really interesting. Well, what about renewable energy options that are faster to build? You know, wind farms, solar panels. What is Liz Truss's position on those? Yeah, we're waiting to see the detail around exactly what she will do there. I mean, we are on a big investment spree in offshore wind around the UK as a as a windy island we do get a lot of our energy from offshore wind and there is a continuation of a policy which is that we want to to get even more of our energy from offshore wind solar 
we know from the campaign that she is really not fond of Britain's green and pleasant land being plastered with solar panels. And I think one of the most depressing sights when you're driving through England is seeing fields that should be full of crops or livestock full of solar panels. Which is, which is potentially a bit of a problem. And the other one is energy efficiency programmes. We still haven't seen a big insulation programme rolled out by the government. That would be probably one of the quickest ways to help us go faster on net zero. Insulate our drafty housing stock, provide some decent support, a properly thought through campaign to insulate people's homes. That would make a hell of a difference. So John, what does this announcement mean for the UK's net zero plan? Is it going to take us any closer to to meeting it? I'm really not sure, to be honest. The um, If they do succeed with some of the green policies, if they are able to roll out more offshore wind um, and they are able to go faster on that, will that counteract the the negatives from fracking and, and more um, oil and gas from, from the North Sea? I don't really know, but you can't... The, the very fact that they've taken the green levies off people's bills, you can't help but think this is a bit of a retrograde step for net zero by 2050. Do you think this is going to have political consequences you know what's what's the response going to be to this from the conservative backbenchers and from those on the other side i mean fracking north sea oil and gas that is red meat to the to the tory backbenchers that's why she's done it um yeah, she's, she's she's she was not the most popular candidate in the um ultimately in the, in the leadership campaign or certainly she divided the tories um her hope is that with this big policy and with some of that red meat via via fracking, etc., that she's able to unify the party. But the the jury's really out on that. Um, you, you can't help think at the back of your mind that Liz Truss is going to be a pretty short-lived prime minister because we're going through such economic storms, because the Tory party is so divided, is so fractured. John, thank you so much. Thank you. Lovely talking to you. Thanks to John Collingridge. If you go to theguardian.com, you can find lots of helpful explainers on there about how this announcement is likely to affect you. This episode was produced by Sarah Larnuk, Tom Glasser and Natalie Ktena. Sound design was by Rudy Zagadlo and the executive producer was Elizabeth Cassin. We'll be back tomorrow. This is The Guardian.